0: Good to see everyone. Tonight we are in week two of FOMO, the fear of missing out. No one experiences that. Uh, Last week we kind of kicked it off with this idea of how to fight FOMO. We looked at Psalm 37 and talked about what it looks like really to be present now. Really to not look at what everyone else is doing, but to trust in God, wait for the Lord. We talked a lot about that. This week um, I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about your future. And some of you have actually asked me this question, and it kind of really spurred on this whole series. And that is, is it possible for me to mess up God's will for my life? Or like, can I I make a wrong turn that would mess up God's will or that I could be outside of God's will? And how do I discern what God's will is? I feel like I'm, if anything, I'm afraid I'm going to mess that up. Or I'm going to miss out on what God wants for me. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. But luckily for you, I can tell all of you, God's will. Right here. I got a magic eight ball. This is of the Lord. And uh, and, and I can tell you your future. Anybody in here with your girlfriend or boyfriend, like you're dating someone, like anybody in here, like dating? You're like, we're not gonna tell you that. Okay, you guys are. Yes, yes. All right, and what's your name? Mason? Yes, Mason. All right, hold on. And what was it? And Taylor. Yeah, we were chatting last week. Okay. Are Mason and Taylor? going to get married. Oh, did I, did I just go there? Did I just go there? Wow. He's like, man. All right. All right. Let's see what the A-ball says. I don't know, man. I don't know. Without a doubt. Hey. Hey. Awesome. Anybody else want to give it a go? Anybody else want to give it a go? You're like, heck no. Okay. Uh, anybody in here looking for a raise? Yes. Oh yeah, Ryan, I mean, that was an astounding yes. Okay, bro, I got you. I got you, man. Let's see. Hey, is Ryan going to get a raise soon? It is certain. Wow, this thing. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, it's, been, it's been bad for me all day. I've been trying things and it's not gone well, but for you, man, lucky day. Lucky day. Uh, anybody like trying to figure out like uh, what job to take next, what class to take? Should I drop a class? Is that where we are already? Trying to figure out, should anybody try, need that answer? Okay, all right, Emery. Should Emory drop history? history? <laughs> Do not count on it. Uh, oh, wow. Sorry, Emery, uh, the eight ball has spoken, and, and there you go. No, 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 that, that's silly, right? Like, that's superstition, that's not helpful in discerning God's will and discerning choices that we make. And a lot of us have a lot of choices ahead of us. In fact, for where you are in your life right now, over the next five, six years, the choices you make are gonna have a massive influence on you and an influence on the path of your life. Anybody feeling the pressure for that right now? It's like, now that you bring that up, that's a lot of pressure. So we wanna talk about what it looks like to discern those things and kinda, I wanna get into this just a little bit about like what is God's will. Now some of y'all, we do this though. We're like, man, I met this girl. She like smelled like flowers. And so like tomorrow, if I see any flowers blooming, I'm gonna know it's you, God, and I'm gonna know I'm supposed to ask her out. And so I'm driving, I'm like, oh, it's a little wilted, but that counts. I drove by Lowe's. I saw some flowers. It's meant to be, right? Uh, if it rains tomorrow, Lord, I'm going to ask for a raise, right? Like, if I if it rains, I know you're bringing provision for me. And that's how we're going to know, Lord, you've given me a sign. So you wake up in the morning. It's Wichita Falls. Sorry, it's not even raining. Even when it says there's rain in the forecast, it's not raining. No, it rained a little bit. We got we got some rain. It felt nice. Y'all, it's sweater weather right now. You know what I'm saying? This is like Christmas. We're in the 80s, y'all. It's like, whoo! But we do this. And, and, man, it's just superstition and... And weird, all right? Don't look for a sign, but the, but the reality is we are curious, right? Like, how do I discern what God's will is? How do I discern my next step? Can I get outside of that? And that's a great question, and so tonight I want to look at a couple things, and in fact, tonight we're going to get a little bit theologically deeper, Uh, hopefully that it'll make sense for you guys, but I got to jump into some sovereignty of God, the multiple wills of God. It's going to get there, all right? So uh, just buckle up a little bit, Um, but if you've got a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Yes, exciting. For anyone in here afraid of missing out on God's will, I think this is a really, really good starting place. Now, there's a lot of verses, and the Bible speaks to a lot of things about wisdom and decision making. A lot of the Proverbs are great for that. Um, but we're gonna look right here in Romans chapter 12 and I wanna read this tonight and then kinda go, I wanna work through it backwards actually. So uh, if you've got it, say I got it. Yeah. Okay. If you don't have it, we'll wait just a minute longer. Some of you, you may like, not be familiar with scripture and that's okay. Uh, Romans is in the New Testament. The Bible's made up of old and new. Uh, And in the New Testament, there are the four Gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is really the story of Jesus and his life. Uh, It's like kind of chronologically like going through his life here on earth. And then we get to Acts, which is where the church is born out of, the, the early church. And here we get to the letters, and these are letters that Apostle Paul, he's writing this first letter to the Romans, uh, to the church in a a very large area, actually. And man, if you want, just like, if I could read anything in the Bible that would tell me about who God is, his will, uh, what he is like, um, it's probably one of the most amazing, comprehensive just theologically rich books in the Bible. In fact, I think as a church, we've done like 36 weeks in it. So some of you that like come here on Sundays, uh, by the way, we do church on Sundays. If you don't have anywhere to be, I'm just gonna throw that out there right now. Uh, Come hang out with us. Uh, But we've been 36 weeks in Romans. So some of y'all are like, oh, we've already done all this. Uh, Don't worry. Uh, Tonight we're gonna go a little different direction. But let me read this. Here's what he says. Romans chapter 12. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves or present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Or it's your spiritual worship. Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How many of y'all have heard this verse a million times? Pretty familiar? All right, well, let's hone in on this last part. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you might discern what is the will of God, what is good good and acceptable and perfect. Here we have it. Hey, don't be conformed to everything else in this world, but be transformed through the renewal of your mind. And then, for us tonight, but I want to talk about the will of God. I want to dive right in to some things because the Bible is really confusing about the will of God. And I'm going to, I'm going to try to keep it not as confusing, but here's the thing. There is a place in the scriptures where God says in Second Peter 3, that it is his will that no one should perish, that all should come to repentance. God's will is that no one dies. No one is sent to hell. It, is that will taking place? Do people die? You're like, it's, it's not your question. You're like, yes. Um, why have hell if no one's going to hell? Like there are people that will not be with God. And we talked a little bit about that last week, that, that really, uh, when you reject God and say, I want nothing to do with you, um, really that's what hell is. It's the separation of being with God. And it's a real place. But God said that his will was that. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, is like God. May this cup pass for me. He did not want to die, did not want to go through with this. If you read this text, but said, but not my will, but yours be done. Isn't Jesus God? How do they not have the same synced up will? And there's a million different scriptures where it seems like the will of God is fighting against the will of God. So let's talk about it. You see, in the Bible, there are really two categories of God's will. And, and, And I could go, a deep dive in this, I'm going to try to keep it as simple as possible. I don't want to lose you, but here, here's the reality. God in his word, when we hear the, the word will of God, it's actually two words, but the problem is even in the Hebrew and Greek language, those words are used interchangeably, so that doesn't help me. Um, you have to look at the context of what category are we talking about. So the first one is the will of God, his known will. This is his known will, and, and it's when he, when he commands something, when he declares something, or it's prophetic, that a mystery has been revealed and a prophecy has come forward, and he has revealed his heart and his will. This is a side of it. So we've got a lot of scriptures around that. Uh, 1 Thessalonians five eighteen: give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because this is the will of God for you. God is declaring or commanding something and saying, I want this for you. It's his will for you that you would give thanks in all circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. That's a big churchy word that just means for you to look more like Jesus. God's will for you is that you would look more and more like Jesus and less and less like the world. Hence, we go back to this verse, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed, right? His will for you is sanctification, holiness, and specifically, that you would be free or abstain from sexual immorality. That's his will. And you know this. It's right there in scripture. You don't have to guess. We don't have to be like, well, I don't know if God wants that. He, He does. That's his will. 1 Peter 2, 5, it is God's will that you would have honorable lives and silence the ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. It's God's will that you would live in a blameless way. And there's over and over commands of God that show his moral will for us, or his commanded will, and it can be known. There's also verses about the revelation and the mystery revealed, for Colossians 1:26 and 27, the mysteries that have been hidden for ages, all this that's leading up, all these prophecies now reveal to his saints, to God, he chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory, the mystery of Christ which is in you. That we have now the the revelation that the kingdom of God is here in Christ and it's available to all people. That is the gospel. That the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God is now here and it's available to all. It's been revealed. We know this is God's will that he wants all nations to be saved, all nations to come to a saving knowledge of him, not just Israel. Also, 2 Peter 3.9 is the one I quoted earlier. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slow, but he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So he has this will. He wants this. But then why isn't that done? Because isn't it like God's sovereign? Like if he wants something, shouldn't it just be done? And that, that's, that's, that's the hang up. Because there's very many scriptures where God's unknown will is also a category. His unknown will it speaks towards future but a lot of times it speaks to his sovereign plan. And sometimes we know what it is, sometimes we don't, but the sovereignty of God comes in. In fact, the return of Christ is an unknown piece of God's will. It will happen. You do not know when it's going to happen. Jesus is coming back, y'all. And I hope sooner than later. But it says this, Matthew 24, 36, but concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the son, only the father knows. It is his hidden, unknown will. You don't get to know that, you're not God. There is a sovereignty to God's will. There is a side of God's will that he brings about that you have no effect on, you have no ability to change. He decrees something and it is. He says, let there be light, and it is, because God's will is sovereign. And so the sovereign will of God, you you see these texts like this, uh, Isaiah 49, 9 through 10, and there's a million of them. But remember not the former things, for I am God and there's no one else. I am God, there's no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning, the ancient times from the things not yet done, saying, my counsel will stand, I will accomplish my purpose. God is sovereign, and he chooses and makes things happen. His purpose is he makes them happen apart from what anyone else can do or affect. This is his sovereign will. Lamentations three thirty-seven through 38. Who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? So his authority is over all that is happening. Is it not out of the mouth of the Most High that both good and calamity comes? God can declare good, calamity, his will, overseeding, and I don't know where he's going with this, what his plan is in this, and that's not for me to figure out. But I want to come down to something, and I could could camp here for a while because there's a lot of different texts around this. And a lot of people like to explain it this way, that God has a sovereign will and he has a permissive will. That is that he permits things or delays things, kind of going back to that 2 Peter 3, 9, saying that he doesn't want anyone, he wants to bring all to repentance. And so he holds off. But God's will will be done. Every knee will bow before him. So there are really two wills of God. And sometimes the Bible is speaking about the decreed will, like what God is saying and it's going to happen, the let there be light stuff. God decrees it, it's going to happen. And then it also talks in this other category about God's known will that you and I can not do. You, don't, you, you cannot do his known will. And here's why I know that. Because Jesus, when he prays the big Lord's Prayer, y'all know this part. He says, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Therefore, implying that God's will definitely cannot be done. That God has a will and a heart for us. He wants us to live this way. He wants us to rejoice always. He wants to abstain from sexual immorality. But we choose not to. You can, yes, not do God's will. Spoiler alert. And yet, God's sovereign will and God's unknown purposes, what he declares, we have no choice in. He makes things happen. You You don't affect that. And I have to do a whole different sermon on the sovereignty of God and the free will of man and all of that, but that's for another day because I want you to hang with me. And here's why I bring this up. This is what is key. How are these two categories related and how can I know if I'm in God's will? If you don't hear anything else tonight, I want you to catch this big thought. In fact, it came from a pastor at Watermark named David Marvin. I think he did a message like three, four years ago, but I heard him say this statement and I straight up took it. It's so good. But he basically said, living in God's will means applying God's known will to my life. And here is the big thought. Your ability to discern God's unknown will for your life, the things that I don't know, my future, right? Your ability to discern God's unknown will for your life is directly connected to your obedience to his known will for your life. Do you catch that? Your ability to discern what is unknown, to discern what God would want for me in the future and why he would want me to act, your ability to discern God's unknown will for your life is directly connected to your obedience to God's known will for your life. It's why I bring it up. It's why we're talking about two different things. If you're not first living out the known will, the things that God wants of us, the moral law, the things that he's asked of you, then you are your ability to understand what he wants for your future is severely diminished. You cannot know. You start here. And so that's why we're back in Romans 12. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be molded and shaped by this world. By the way, you and I are both, we are natural conformists. Like we don't even know we do this. Now my wife gives me a hard time, y'all. I have this thing, okay? And she makes fun of me for it. I, I like legitimately don't know I'm doing it, but she says I have like a chameleon accent. Like, this sounds like if I'm around someone that speaks a little different, my voice like starts going that way. And she's like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man." And like, okay, all right, I, I know I have some. Uh, okay, Jose, I've got some Hispanics in here. And my buddy, I had a buddy, his name was Jose. He was a little bit older. And every time I'd hang out with him, strong Mexican draw, right? Like just, just straight up. And all of a sudden I just start being like, you know what, man? And i would be like talking like that. And they're like, don't do that. That's not you. Stop talking like that. But I'll do it. And I don't even know I'm doing it. My wife has to be like, that's really weird. Stop. I'm I'm serious. You know, like it, it, I have this chameleon thing. And, And and I don't even mean to do it, but but the reality is, all of us, in one way or another, we tend to conform to our friends around us, to what they like. We start to like the things that they like. Uh, we start to kind of act the way they act. We start to speak, dress. Have you noticed that? Like people that hang out together are kind of like a lot alike. It's natural. We don't even have to try, that's just what we naturally do. And Paul knows this, he's saying, hey, listen, when you are in this culture, especially in Rome, and us in the culture we're in at MSU and in our workplaces, it's so easy for us just to conform, to talk like everyone else is talking, to listen to everything that everyone else is listening to. I just conform, I just wanna be like y'all, I just wanna fit in, I don't wanna make any ruffles with, you know, I don't want any conflict. I'm just going to kind of. He's saying, no, don't conform. You are, what God has called you to is to be a light in the darkness. He's called you to these things. He's saying, don't conform to the world. That is not God's will for you, to be like the world. And, and then it says not just don't do this, it says do this. So we don't conform, but we want to be transformed. And how are we transformed? How are we sanctified? How are we made like Jesus? It all starts In our minds. It's why theology really matters. It's why that quote, What comes to mind when you think about God may be the most important thing about you. How you think matters. What you think matters matters because you're gonna shape your life after these things. And so, what Paul is saying is be conformed, I mean, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's why the Bible is so important because the world is screaming all this stuff. And it's so easy to just go with that flow. And the moment that I draw near to God's word and I start reading what he wants for me, it looks very different here, what he wants for me than what the world wants for me, what the world's doing, right? It's very countercultural. And so what I got to do is I got to be transformed by spending quality time here and letting my worldview be shaped, my view of God be shaped. In fact, it says in 2 Corinthians 3, that when we behold or see the glory of God, we are changed from one degree of glory to the next. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Such a powerful verse. And that's what he's getting at. It's why it's so important for you guys to stay in his word. We don't tell you all week in, week out, read the Bible, read the Bible. Because someone's like, hey, I'm going to give you money if you can get all the bridge students to read the Bible. And we're going to have this little bit. Like that's, There's no agenda here other than wanting something for you. Like You are, you are missing out out when you're not in God's word fear that fear the fact that maybe God had a word for you this morning and, and you got up late and you left God wanted to speak something and he wanted to encourage you with something he wanted to convict and correct something in you because all scripture is God breathed and profitable to you for correction for encouragement second Timothy three so that's why we got to be in the word but I love this I was reading about this, and there's a, a theologian named Douglas Moo, and here's what he said about Romans 12. He said this, The essence of a successful Christian living in a renewed mind is so that we can approve of what God's will is. And then here it is on the screen. That is, specifically, that we would recognize and put into practice God's will in every situation we face God has not given to Christians a set of detailed commandments to guide us. Here's what he means. Hold on. He didn't tell me, I didn't go to the Bible and go marry Rachel Wilson. That was her maiden name. Oh, it says right here to marry Rachel Wilson. Okay, that's God's will for my life. I know who to marry. God did not tell me uh, move to Wichita Falls. It's right here in verse, you know, it doesn't give you that, right? It doesn't give you specifics. This is the major you need to major in. But here's what he says. It doesn't give you detailed commandments to guide you in every life decision. He gives you his spirit who is working to change your heart and minds from within so that our obedience to God might be natural and spontaneous. And here it is, y'all. Here it is. As you obey Jesus and his teachings, you are being transformed into the kind of person who knows what God wants. Do you see that? Because, again, your ability to discern God's unknown will is directly correlated and connecting to your obedience to his known will. So as you obey the teachings of Jesus, you're being transformed into a type of person who knows what God wants. I start craving the things God craves. I start wanting the things that God wants. But when I'm away from him and I'm in the world then I start craving the things that the world is throwing at me all the time, telling me I need and want, it's, it's what we do. He's saying be transformed Here. So we put Jesus' practices or his truth into practice and find it to be true. Can I live outside of God's will? When it comes to his moral will, when it comes to his known revealed will, the answer is absolutely yes. You can choose not to do God's will. the Bible says that anyone knows the good they ought to do and does not do, it sins. it's sins. It's actually the Bible classifies that, a willful disobedience, sin. You can choose to live outside of God's commands. It does not go well. In Deuteronomy eleven twenty six 26 through 28, after they were given the law, and uh, you can read through Exodus and Levit- Leviticus and Deuteronomy 11, uh, all this story, but basically there comes this moment where he says, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. And he, and he actually gives the people, you have a choice here. You, I'm giving you a blessing and a curse. And you guys, to this day, we still have this. We have, we have a chance to walk in blessing or walk in a Curse. Here's what he says. The blessing is that if you obey the commands of the Lord, which I command you today, and the curse is if you do not obey the commands of the Lord, but turn aside from the way that I'm commanded you and go after other gods. God has a heart for you. The Bible says he wants hope and future for you. What is his known will? Let's go back to it. Here's what he wants for you. First off, I'm going to go back to 2 Peter 3, 9. It's a a critical verse. His will is that you and I would have a relationship with him, that you would know Jesus. His will is that no one would perish, that we would all repent, that we would change our mind. That's what the word repent means, to change my mind and pursue Jesus, to know him and have life in him. That is God's known will. When it comes to your job and where you work or where you want to work one day, we know this, that in Colossians 3, God's will for you is that whatever you do, that you would work at it with all of your heart as not unto man but unto God. In this present circumstance, regardless of what the future is, that right now I know that God wants me to give it my all for his glory, not for man's, not for my boss, not for my friends, but that I would work as unto the Lord. We know that's what he wants. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, that no matter what circumstance you're in right now, and some of us are in some very difficult ones, that it's clear. You want to know what God's will for you is? To give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. How do I do that? How do I give thanks when things are difficult? By understanding what God has done for you. By understanding what you have in him. By understanding that it ain't over and where you are right now isn't the end. I'm gonna get to that one again in a second. Finally, I need to get up on a little bit of a soapbox here. First Thessalonians 4.3, college students, I need you to write this down. The will of God for you is your sanctification. Specifically, that you would not indulge in sexual immorality, that you would abstain. And I cannot tell you over the last year how many college students I've had to walk through some really, really difficult things because you didn't take that serious. And I don't know what it is, I don't know what it is where you think that like you're immune to this. That no, I can sleep with my girlfriend all I want. We live together. We just have sex casually. God's going to bless it. I think we're going to get married one day anyway. You're not married. It's sin. Stop having sex. I don't know how to be more clear. It is not helping you. I wish I could tell you some very specific things that have happened in people's lives over the last year. I'm not gonna get into that, but I'm telling you, it is not what God wants for you and it does not go well. It's not how God designed it. What did he design? For you to be in a covenant relationship and have all the sex you want when you're married, right? It was still his idea. God's God's pro-sex in this way. But here's what we do as a church. Even Pastor Bob, I love that he is preaching on truth. If you're not here on Sundays, I mean, he's speaking on some very difficult things, and a lot of them have to do with sexual immorality, which are listed in Romans multiple times. And in that list is homosexuality, by the way, just to be clear, that the Bible's gonna claim that to be sin, which our culture says is not. And if you say it's a sin, you're a bigot, you hate people. But y'all all know, like, some of you, that's news to you, because you're like, I, I didn't know I didn't know that. And so, yeah, we're going we're to claim that one. But you know what else is listed in that? Fornication. What is that? That's sex outside of marriage. It's in the same list. What else is in that list? Adultery. Having sex with someone who's not my wife, who might be married. And so his will for us is that we would be pure and holy and have amazing marriages one day by going his way. 2 Corinthians 6.14, just in case you're wondering, it is God's will for you that you marry a Christian, a Christ follower. 2 Corinthians 6.14, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. This is speaking about marriage. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? It's his will that you're connected to the local church Hebrews 10, 25, don't neglect the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as his day draws near. His will for us is to be connected and in community together, to live righteously among the lost, that 1 Peter 2, 15. This is God's will that we live honorable lives. But let me tell you the gospel. So for any of us in here like, man, I know God's will and I know I've messed up and I know I don't follow God's will perfectly. Can I give you some great, great news? And even though God doesn't bless disobedience, he redeems it. He redeems it. In fact, the gospel is gonna say that while you were in sin, while you were not following his way, his will, his known revealed will, that God demonstrated his love to you that while, uh, while you were sinning, Christ died for you. That our God is not a God sitting here ready to condemn and condemn us all to hell for all the things we've done, but rather his heart is that we would repent Like you're still breathing. And what he's saying is even though you've made mistakes, and some of us in here, we've made mistakes, and we're in difficult situations even right now because of some of the mistakes we've made, and we don't get to duck the consequences of sin. But God is so good, he can redeem it. He could create a beautiful story out of your life if you'll give that over to him, if you'll trust him. When you look at the life of Joseph and the sin of people and what that meant for Joseph's life, ultimately God used that to save a nation. And this is in Genesis, what, jo- what Joseph did, what Job did. But even thinking about Jesus himself, you want to talk about a crazy like battle of the will, God allows permissively, it is his will, his decreed will, that Jesus Christ would be murdered, so it was God's will. That's what God declared that Jesus, the righteous one, this innocent one would be murdered. And that was sin for people to murder him. And God declared that and wanted that because he was gonna use that to redeem the entire world. So Jesus comes to earth and takes you in my place because God wants to overwhelmingly tell every one of you in here that even though you failed, even though you may have fallen short of my will, I want you to know that my will is for you. I want you to have life in me. I want so much for you. I want you to have freedom from the sin that's entangling you. I want you to have freedom from the insecurity and the need to be noticed and to be liked by other people. I want to free you from the things that are holding you in bondage. I want to give you life. And I can redeem your past. I can make it new. It's what we celebrated just now. None of us deserve it. Me included. I'm probably the worst. And when I was, when I was 16 years old, I, I, I just... I could not believe that God wanted anything to do with me. I, I like basically did everything that pretty much cursed his name. Like I don't want anything to do with God. and yet He was so good to run after me and rescue me. So as we think about, man, how do I stay in God's will? I want you to think less about future and worrying about the future that God has for you. Trust him in that. We've already talked about that. But I'll leave you with this thought that your ability to, to discern the will of God in your life starts with you obeying the known will now. It starts with obedience and the blessing that comes from saying yes to God now, to being faithful to him now, to trusting him in the now season. That's how we fight this. You want your life to be blessed? So does God. That's why he commands these things of you because he wants them for you. Where's a place in your life that you're not obeying the known will of God? Where's a place in your life right now for that? God wants you to repent, wants you to change course, wants you to confess that. Let's bring that before him. God can redeem these situations, but we gotta bring it to him. I'm gonna ask the band just to come forward. and We're just gonna worship for a little bit. Here's what I wanna do. Like, I know when we think about our future and all the choices in front of us, it can be overwhelming. But I believe the Lord really tonight, as I was kind of praying through this, wanted me to remind you of a couple things. Number one is that now is the most important moment for you. The now. The how you're living now. That's going to affect your later. So, So... So it's an encouragement and a challenge to you to live God's way now. Even if you weren't an hour ago, a day ago, a week ago, it's not too late to shift and change course. And the second thing I feel like the Lord wanted me to remind you of is that God is overwhelmingly for you. He loves you. He wants relationship with you. He wants to free you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to guide you in your decisions. So stop just doing your own thing, figuring out your own thing, asking everyone about these decisions except God and going to Him. And draw near to Him because He has open arms for us. You see, God will not bless our disobedience, but He can redeem it. I'm going to talk next week a little more practically on biblical wisdom and how to make some decisions. We're going to go there, but I felt like we need to do this first. Let's just respond to the Lord in whatever way he is leading us.